Would you pray with me? Oh Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture is from the gospel according to Matthew in the 28th chapter beginning at the first verse. I would say that wherever you are, if you would rise in honor of this reading of the resurrection story. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat upon it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes white as the snow. For fear of him, the guard shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised. And he said, Come, see the place. He, he has been raised as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them and said greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. In a world where chaos reigned, in an empire reigned by a tyrant, in a time when all seemed lost, two brave women, against all odds, returned to the site of their greatest defeat to find answers. Ta-da! Doesn't, doesn't the, big, the resurrection and story in Matthew sound like a Michael Bay film? I think Matthew's kind of the Michael Bay of the gospel writers, you know? Like Mark, the end of Mark, the, the resurrection story there is kind of like the end of a Kubrick film, right? It's a little weird and confusing. And the end of the story in Luke is like a conclusion of a, a Ken Burns documentary. It's just sort of like, here's the facts, here's how it ended. And John maybe ends a little more like a Rob Reiner love story you know you've got the breathless reunion of jesus and mary magdalene and she takes a hold of him and and she wrote sort of represents the church in this way but matthew now that may be my favorite resurrection story just picture it 
The hero has been defeated. It looks like all is lost for his team. Then, earthquake, explosions, massive stone rolls away, flashes of white, lightning, man coming down. The heavenly herald announces victory. The team rallies. The, the enemies fall to the side. They're quaking on the ground. Then, Jesus comes, striding across the picture in slow motion. Blurry background, flames everywhere. His enemies cower in fear. Now the troops rally around him, buoyed with hope and courage. And Jesus goes confidently ahead of them to Galilee to move the team to the new mission that they've begun. Okay, all right, so there's no flames, I admit. But there is an earthquake and lightning. It's pretty exciting. As, as Cameron Murchison says, when Jesus is most clearly revealed in the gospel according to Matthew, all heaven breaks loose. It's a story that's larger than life. Larger than life. And I think that's Matthew's purpose. What has happened on this resurrection day, it's not just about revealing God's power, although it does that. It's an explosive sign of victory of the God of life over death and sin. See, the story is larger than life because it marks the beginning of a larger life that is now available in Christ Jesus, that has entered the world and is a gift to the world. See, the life that Jesus showed us, the life that he lived throughout his ministry, the life of peace and unity, of good news to the poor and release to the captive and hope for the lost, a life of healing and fullness and purpose and courage and freedom and power. That life, a life that is bigger than anything you can imagine, better than anything that we think that we need to have and are searching for, more fulfilling than anything we can do on our own. That life, that life has been fulfilled and confirmed in the resurrection as being true and right. Jesus has shown us what it means to be truly alive. And God has raised him from the dead to show that true life, abundant life, cannot be stopped. No matter what the world does to it. Even more than that, in Jesus Christ, by faith, through grace, God is making that life, that true aliveness, available to each one of you. We can live the life that Jesus lived by the Holy Spirit's gift within us. I think this is the good news that we need right now. Because the world is telling us that our life is constrained. The world is telling us, and many of us feel, that our lives are on hold. 
that we aren't truly living right now, that we're stuck, stuck in our homes. We can't see our friends. We can't hug our loved ones on this Easter. We can't gather as families and friends and be together to eat a beautiful Easter meal. We can't play baseball or watch the Masters. We can't go out and, and have a wonderful meal out to eat, go hear some music in the streets, all the things that we love to do at this time of year in Greenville. Our lives have become very small. And in these times, there are Christians who have a witness to true aliveness for us. Christians who have lived this life and been living this life. And their lives of faith witness to us how to live and be truly alive when our circumstances around us are trying to shrink us down. They're folks that we sometimes forget. Maybe sometimes we pity. Yet I have found a witness of faith to true life and faith that is often missed. It's our homebound members. It's those who are sick and already constrained to the hospital, confined, confined by their homes, sometimes confined by their bodies that are failing them. Yet, so many I find who have strong faith continue to live a larger life than their circumstances would allow. When you go and visit Miss Ibby, you meet someone who is full of life and energy, who keeps a smile on her face and a prayer on her lips, who always tells me that she is praying for you and for me. That's a life being fully lived despite her circumstances. When I used to go visit Mac, he always had a story to tell, always had a prayer for the church. When I used to visit Calvin in the hospital, I felt like I was the one being buoyed up with his smile, with his positive attitude, his jokes. I've visited so many faithful who are chronically ill, who are bound into their homes, but whose lives are kept not in their circumstances, not in their houses, not in their facilities in which they live. Their lives are kept in Jesus. They did not rejoice in their circumstances. These circumstances don't necessitate or create a fuller, a fuller life. But their circumstances did not define their lives. As Paul says, they have learned the secret of being content in all things. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Being truly alive is not measured in places that you go. It's not measured in experiences that you have and memories that you create. Being truly alive is not measured in worldly success by your bank account or your job title or your savings. Being truly alive, life 
lived that is larger and better and more fulfilling than anything we can conceive on our own, anything that our own bodies can even, even create for us. It's measured in resilience and how we come back. And it's measured in relationships. True life is not earned by work, but given to you as a free gift of grace. True life produces faith and faith is nourished in turn and grown by God through prayer and scripture and other means of grace by which you nourish the life and grow the life to be bigger and bigger within you. True life is available to each one of you now. Each person who trusts God and gives your heart to Jesus Christ and ask Jesus now to come into your life in a new way. Christ who is alive, who is living for us and through us and in us and wants to live in you right now. If you would invite him into your heart, God is ready to transform it by grace and show you a new life to live, to be reborn in abundant life. Jesus has been raised from the dead. Jesus goes ahead of you wherever you may go. Wherever you are going via Facebook or Zoom or taking a walk around your neighborhood, Jesus is there. Jesus has gone ahead of you preparing a life for you, waiting for you to show you chances and opportunities to live, to truly live a larger, better life than stay-at-home orders can stop. Even the coronavirus itself cannot constrain the life, the abundant life that God has prepared for you, that Jesus has gone ahead of you. For our boundaries and our bodies are constrained, but the life Jesus gives us is so sometimes even more apparent like our homebound members it's sometimes that in these times we can offer an even greater witness to that life because we can continue to have abiding joy that reaches beyond our circumstances we can continue to have sustaining peace that says do not be afraid in the face of fear we can have courage to let go of our fear. We can have unceasing thankfulness for what God has done for us in Jesus and our continued care and compassion for others. Despite our circumstances, as we continue to reach out and love, love for God and love for each other, we witness to a risen Lord and Savior who is larger than life. For now that Jesus is raised from the dead, we may live with God and with one another in a life, in a love that is larger than life. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Alleluia, Christ is risen. Amen.